New week on the Just Baseball Show Top 10 Team Outfield. We've got a whole bunch to get to this week. We've got a World Baseball Classic preview and prediction episode. Uh, Peter's going to be back to uh, drop his, um, I, I guess, pick to win and probably pick to make it out of each pool. But me, Jack, him, Aram are taking you through Team Outfields here on Monday, March 6th. First and foremost, I've never understood the whole royal family thing. Um, did you see my tweet on Sunday morning? Uh, William and Kate were at a spin class in like a suit and a dress and they had like a quick 20 second race and it made Reuters like it made global news and there was a video of it. And then the rest of the spin class had to clap after the 20 second race. It was the dumbest shit I've ever seen. And Clay Snowden, one of our writers made a great comment about it. He was like, Americans know way too much about celebrities. Like, what if we knew less? And my thought is, yes. You're not helping. Not helping. But what do we do about the royal family? Because like, what do Ignore they them. do? Ignore them. I, that's what I do. I, I legitimately don't even, like the, the names that you just mentioned, if you gave me a lineup of faces, I would not be able to line them up. I'm not kidding. Uh, South Park actually just had a great episode on on the uh, royal family and in, in, in that situation, which was really really funny. Nice. Um, so I would I would recommend checking that out. But no, I I it's one of my biggest pet peeves on earth. That specifically, um, not a reality TV guy, not a royal family guy. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm checked out. I don't I don't pay attention whatsoever. I, I eat up a good season of The Bachelor and like I eat up some, some mind numbing television. I don't, like Love I don't judge that. I don't judge that. That's 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 some good mind numbing stuff to like just unplug and change it up. I'm OK with that. Yeah. But I draw the line at like inside edition. Let me keep up with what every celebrity is doing and just like make their lives feel miserable because they have no privacy. So you're not a keeping up with the Kardashians person, I assume. Hell no. OK, Absolutely. me neither. Me neither. I think my thing with the royal family is like I care so little about them that I want to know what's going on because I think it's funny. I yeah, I just I don't even get it. I don't what do they do? They just get money for I being think so like royal. I don't I don't I don't understand that. That's my thing. You don't like you see queens anymore. It's 2023. Right. They you don't see like, a separate government that like actually makes decisions. They just yeah. no, they yeah, have yeah. a prime minister. Like yeah, yeah. Um, forget it. Yeah. Move off. All right. Yeah. Baseball time. Um yes. Yeah, we're going to talk about team outfields. Before that, um, couple of, a couple of overreactions from spring training. It come from Tampa and Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Ellie De La Cruz with a triple and a nuke. Christian Encarnacion Strand with, what, a 440-foot home run? Are you all the way put in on that or what? I like I am, but I'm not. Like I know he's going to hit for a ton of power. Um I'm just worried about like the hit tool as an everyday player. Uh, we know he can do that, you know? So uh, Reds prospects, Christian Encarnacion Strand, he's going to hit you your tape measure shots. Um, it's just, can he catch up to Velo? He's got a little bit of a pushy swing, which is going to make Velo a little bit difficult. But man, when he gets into one, 
he gets into one. Speaking of which, I just went to my first spring training game. It was a blast. Um, it was a blast just to be at the field. The game itself kind of sucked. It was Marlins Mets. Um, Mark Vientos put on a show. Uh, and actually, I'm glad you brought up spring training real quick because how about all of these youngsters, man? Like these aren't just the youngsters coming in against other youngsters. Curtis Mead, multi-home run game yesterday, Rays prospect. Right. Mark Vientos, Mets prospect, multi-home run game. Jordan freaking Walker, basically almost hit for the cycle. That's, of course, the Cardinals prospect. We're going to talk about all these guys in detail on the call-up, but all of these guys pertain to the Just Baseball show because they're making their damn case to be in the opening day lineup. And I don't think that Vientos is uh, just because of the roster. I don't think that Mead is because of the Rays. And I don't think that Walker should be because he has not played in AAA yet and still needs to get his feet wet in the outfield. But shit, man, if Walker keeps doing this, I, I might have to put my hands up and just say, hey, just throw him out there. He's swinging it too well. So it's kind of funny because he would fit into this Cardinals outfield, which we will be talking about in this episode. But I just wanted to mention all the youngsters swinging it in spring training so far. Yeah, my other overreaction was Taj Bradley looked great again for Tampa in the same game that Meade had a multi-homer day. So the youth is there. I think Taj Bradley is good enough to be in that opening day rotation, even though he will likely not be because they're so crowded. Um, yeah. If Glasnow is hurt, he could be making a case for it. Uh, yeah. But I have no idea how severe Glasnow's issue is. Yeah, so the thing with Taj is the splitter. That's the big X factor. And again, we're, we're going to talk about him when we start breaking down the, the top 100 prospect list, which will be out soon. But if his splitter is semi-consistent, because his slider, you and I have seen it, it's phenomenal. The right. fastball is fantastic. If the splitter is just semi-consistent, this guy's going to be a problem. And guess what, Jack? It's been pretty consistent in spring training and look at what he's done. So, man, if, if the Rays kind of get him right, that's a perfect guy to be able to plug into that rotation. And, and I, I would love, I would love to see him start in triple ultimately too. Just another guy, just like yeah. make a few starts in triple, which is weird. I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm perpetuating service time manipulation here, but I, I just, I like seeing guys like come into the big leagues hot, you know, kind of ride that wave in hot instead of like go sink or swim, see how you do. Uh, but yeah, my, my overreaction is going to be Mark Viento sh should be their DH you know, or at least their left-handed mashing DH, uh, yeah. the Darren Ruff role right away. I, I think he can be better than Ruff from day one. I know they gave up some decent pieces for Ruff, so they don't want to just, you know, relegate him to the, the curb. Yeah. But I think Mark Vientos can be a better option right away. He took some freak swings at that game. He tomahawked one up and then also hit a really nice, put a nice swing on a Dylan Floro, you know, breaking ball, which, you know, again, this is, I think this is a guy that, can really produce for them, Mark Vantos. Yeah, um, I was just on on Saturday night. I was just on Ch Chatterbox Reds with uh, Nick Kirby, who mm -hmm. obviously does great work in Cincinnati. And you and I both know him and, and have read his stuff, has listened to his stuff. Um, and Nick, I I kind of explained my thought process in regards to Christian Encarnacion Strand because obviously he's he's kicking tail right now. He's yeah. kicking ass. Um, said, would he make sense on the opening day roster? And I, I said, no, because he, I wanted to see him get comfortable in double and then get comfortable in triple because my overwhelming prospect thought is in terms of hitters, the moment they get comfortable at a level, I think is when you can move them up, yeah. but I got to see him get comfortable and succeed at each level as opposed to arms where like 
if you look great for four starts, just go up to the next one. Yeah, no, I agree with that too, especially. But I think the conversation changes with Jordan Walker because he's the he might be the best power hitting prospect in baseball. Yeah. He might be making his push for best hitting prospect in baseball, like not all around best offensive prospect in the game. If he continues to do what he's doing right now, it's hard not to put him on the opening day roster. He's going to force their hand if he keeps doing what he's doing. And we've seen more teams push guys up from double, you know, and and I think that's something that Walker looks like he could be ready. Uh, You know, the one thing for him is, is the sliders. Maybe gave him a little bit of trouble last year, but it looks like he's already making those adjustments. He, he didn't go yard off of some, you know, random minor league filling guys. He went yard off of, you know, Josiah Gray, which I know a lot of people did, but then he went yard off of a couple other big league arms in, in that game. And, and he's continued to just mash against big leaguers. So I, I think that's something to really look at. My concern is the defense, but if you're hitting like that, who cares? And I think the defense will come along, uh, but he could also kind of rotate in a DH role or whatever. So I'm interested to see what they do, but Walker, if he keeps doing this, He's going to force their hand and people are going to be clamoring for him on the opening day roster. And, and I think we're already starting to see that momentum build a little bit. Um, the one thing with Encarnacion Strand real quick, chasing way too much, that mm-hmm. that's something that'll get exposed more at the big league level. I'd love to see him just show an improvement with the approach and double and especially triple A where guys have better command and then send him up there. I think that's a different case. Walker might be forcing uh, the hand here for the Cardinals. That said, we're going to talk about the outfield. Where does he fit in? Obviously, once he's ready, you you move somebody because he's Jordan freaking Walker. But they've got a lot going on out there and a lot of moving parts that I'm really interested in. That's why it's so surprising that they haven't traded from some of this surplus. Uh, But again, we'll we'll, we'll get to that. Brother, the answer may be DH with Yepes. You move Yepes out of the DH role and it's just Jordan Walker's to lose. I love Yepes too, though, man. I know, but it's Jordan Walker. Yepes could be really special. But it's Jordan Walker. Yepes could be special. Could Yepes be Jordan Walker? I think he could be better than Jordan Walker for the first half of this season. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Through 20 at-bats, Walker's hitting 450 with three homers. Yeah. So, yeah, like if he continues this, you make space. Yeah, yeah no, you know, you, you can't. You literally cannot. I think they should legitimately put him in situations where he, like, is expected to fail. So that they could say, okay, here yeah, you struggled against Verlander. Uh, but or if he goes yard off Verlander, you're like, all right, here, we, we gotta do it. Let's you want to be able to point to it, like in arbitration yeah. hearings, right? It's like this is what you did poorly this spring, and this yeah. is why you're not on the just, opening. Just day sink or swim in the toughest spots. And I think they're gonna do that. I think he's gonna be at the top of the order for them throughout the spring. And they're gonna say, struggle, or if you can if you can survive the final boss here, yeah. then there you go. You're good to go. And, well, I, mean, and I think that's something he can rise to. Think about that lineup too. Newt Bar's playing for Japan. Edmonds playing for Korea. Goldschmidt and Arenado are playing for U.S. Like, there's a spot for Jordan Walker in the lineup every day. So yeah, he's going to be training. seeing yeah. a lot of the best arms because guess what? A lot of the best American arms, a lot of the best Dominican arms, are not pitching for the U.S. or the Dominican. Yep. Yep. Correct. So should be fun. That's that's definitely got to follow closely the rest of spring training. Yep. All right. Outfields. Uh, We've got three honorable mentions. And then, of course, the top 10. The two that we left off, San Francisco and Minnesota. Minnesota is Gallo, Buxton and Kepler. Buxton, obviously great. Can't stay on the field. Gallo, they figured out a way to shift against him. Boom. (laughs) Yeah, that shit's so funny. (laughs) It's so funny. Like they're, they're royally fucked if he hits the ball to left field. But chances are he's not hitting the ball to left field. Dude, I think he can. Like, I think he's going to figure that out. And for those who didn't see it. 
They legitimately put two outfielders in left or in right, excuse me. They put the center nobody fielder in, in shallow right. And yes. they had the, the center fielder and the right fielder pretty much playing straight up the right fielder towards the line a little bit. So there was like 500 square feet of open space, basically, in, in left and left center field. And like he could pop up into left field, expected batting average of zero, and it's going to fall for a double. Triple. <laughs> I'm really interested to see how this goes because I think that Joey Gallo is capable of inside outing a pop-up. The problem with the shift was those wouldn't play. You still had to hit the ball hard somewhere to fall because you had to hit it into the outfield hard because you had three outfielders still. The hard part was sneaking it through the infield. Regardless, Joey Gallo is is not a guy that we're, you know, I think expecting to be much more than a, a slightly above replacement level player. So it's hard to put that outfield above that said healthy Buxton. Um, some of the young guys performing. I mean, I think that Kepler is underrated if Larnick or somebody else kind of fits in here and, and, and can contribute. It's a, it could be a good outfield, but it's, it's just not proven enough and too many. Uh, I think too much variance, even with their best player in Buxton and center to, to put them in the top 10. Yeah, and, and you can, or even in the honorable mentions, right? They might be 15. 14 is San Francisco. And, and the way we went about this, and you could follow along the write-up, it's on JustBaseball.com. It's also in the episode description. And um, the way we did this is the projected starting outfielders are the three projected outfielders on fan graphs. But, of course, we're going to mention the others that could factor in. San Francisco is the other, like, just missed and that is Conforto, Mike Yastrzemski, Mitch Haniger, and and Jock Peterson is slated as like the opening day DH right now. Conforto, I don't want anybody just banking on him being good. He missed an entire year of baseball. More, more. Like and since the last time he's played, it's been how long? I mean, how many days do you think since the last time he played a an actual major league baseball game? Dude, it's, it's the Jonathan Isaac thing. Like he's been <laughs> gone for a really long time. So we don't know how his body's going to react. We don't know how it, it's been a long, long time. So we'll, we'll see. And, and remember, like, this is a guy that we saw a lot of players impacted by the shortened 2020 season. He plays 2021, 125 games after that. Like, we'll see how he does. But um, that said, he wasn't doing that well, too, right? Like, 2021 was a bad season for him. I like the Conforto pickup. I think he can be good. I think it was a good deal for the Giants. But... We can't bank on him. I agree. Can't bank on him being anything more than a a, a one and a half two win guy. I think he can can very easily be better than that. Yeah. But to bank on that would be would be malpractice. Yeah, a hundred percent. And Haniger is good. We both like Haniger. Mike Yastrzemski is solid. Um, but they're they're not top fifteen. I don't think. And our three honorable mentions are Arizona, Chicago, White Sox, and the L.A. Dodgers. Let's start with the Diamondbacks. As of right now, it's Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy. You've got Lourdes Gurriel as the DH type. Um, this is an outfield that could be really good or could be underwhelming for our expectations. Like Alec Thomas got optioned at the end of last year, but we also think Alec Thomas can be great. And we think Corbin Carroll can be a six win player, but he also may sputter. There is a whole bunch of deviation available for the Arizona Diamondbacks. My, my, I would, I could make a case. I think that they could be higher because while there is, a, 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 like, there is deviation there, like you said, I don't think this outfield is capable of being bad no. because even if they're not hitting, they're going to defend and they're going to run, yeah. and and they're going to put the ball in play enough. Like even Alec Thomas last year, where he was just not hitting, 
I know they they sent him down. I, I think there was more to that. I don't totally know why, but like even just being lost out there and not playing well, like he still was above replacement level, which is saying a lot because he was really not hitting for them at all. Um, I, I look at a Jake McCarthy, great defender. He's going to steal bags. He's going to put the bat on ball. Corbin Carroll's the fastest player in Major League Baseball, and he hits the ball hard. Like he's going to yeah. find a way, and, and the defense is great. Like, he can lead the league in triples. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I think if you look at my my write up on him from even two years ago, I said he's going to lead the league in triples because of that outfield too. Just the the space out there. Um, Peralta, David Peralta, always had a ton of triples out there. So imagine what Corbin Carroll is going to have out there. Right. Um, I, I I think this outfield is going to find a way to even at the bottom be be good. Uh, but this could be a great outfield if yes. if these guys hit the way they can. I am a little bit concerned about the bats of McCarthy and Thomas, relatively speaking. I'm not really worried about Carroll. Um, even as a rookie, I think at the very worst, you're getting above average production from him. Which is why at the 2022 end of season update of the top 100, he was one over Gunner because like there's nothing to worry about with Carroll. No, literally nothing. I think Jake McCarthy is a very underrated talent for Arizona. 99 games, finished fourth in rookie of the year voting. Eight homers, 43 driven in. He was 23 for 26 in the stolen base department. If you're that good of a base dealer with a 770 OPS, you've got a spot, man. And I think Gurriel is like the rotating guy in the outfield. And hell, who knows? Maybe Gabriel Moreno hops in a corner at some point <laughs> if they feel like Carson Kelly needs to catch. Uh, I, I think I was going to say, too, Gurriel is. Gurriel as a left fielder is like, like, God forbid Thomas stinks or or McCarthy stinks, which we don't think is going to happen. Like Gurriel in a corner is still an above average big league outfielder. Correct. Correct. So, I mean, they've got a nice, even though he's not a good or great defender, he's going to hit and he's going to be fine enough defensively. Yeah. Last thing on them, McCarthy. I don't know how to feel about him. Like, I, I, I know he's a good player. He's hit at least above average, he's put up above average numbers at every stop and kind of done similar to what we saw last year. But like, do you think that he can maintain a 283, 342, you know, 427 slash line at the big league level, uh, you know, as he continues? Or is he more of a 100 WRC plus guy with all of the little, you know, I guess, what would you say, like accents to his game, right? Like all of the little like tangibles. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, that's the one thing I don't know. I, 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 he is a very tough read for me. I think that he can be close, like close to what he was last year, though. Ultimately, gun to my head, that's probably what I'd say. But yeah. I do have some concern of like, you know, what if he does regress a bit offensively? I don't know. So he had a 118 OPS plus last year. Even if he's like a 103 to 105 OPS plus guy, I feel good about everything else that he does. Yeah. And I, he's going to steal he's, more bags. And yeah. he's always going to be the third outfielder here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel decent about that. Um, An ode to John Rothstein. It is conference championship week, conference tournament week in college basketball. It is March. Uh, buy stock now in the Arizona Diamondbacks outfield. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say also real quick, Kyle Lewis, like I don't I think he's pretty, pretty cooked in terms of playing center and stuff. But that guy can get by in a corner. Yes. Again, that's 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 a a bonus guy to throw out there if anything goes wrong. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, second honorable mention is the White Sox. One of these things is not like the other. Andrew Benintendi, Luis Robert, and Gavin Sheets is the projected opening day outfield. There were two massive holes for them in the corners last year. With Vaughn at first, now there's one. It's in right. 
thought Ben Intendi was a really good signing for them because yeah. Tim Anderson's going to lead off and, and Benny's probably going to hit two. Um, and, and then Luis Robert, we know when he's on the field and if he is fully healthy, he can be that perennial all-star borderline MVP candidate type talent. It's the Buxton conversation. I think that the second and third options with Eloy Jimenez as the DH, please God, do not let him play outfield. But if he does, he's going to suck defensively, but we know what he can do with the bat when he's healthy. I think that if you have even 80% of Buxton and Luis Robert, I think Benintendi and Sheet slash Jimenez is better than Gallo and Kepler. The reason why I love Ben Attendee and I love that signing is that you know what you're going to get with him, right? Like there's something just settling about finally having a White Sox player that, you know, like, okay, we can pencil him in for, you know, two and a half, three wins. Um, we're we saying we couldn't do that with Yohan Moncada. <laughs> Dude, I mean, like even that, like it's a roller coaster with all these guys. It's an absolute roller coaster. So just knowing that Ben Attendee is going to hit for average, he's going to sneak out enough home runs, he's going to you know, be fine defensively. Like it's just refreshing, right? So you 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 can pencil that guy. You, you can sharpie that guy in. Yes. Oscar Colos is a great backup plan if Sheet struggles, which makes me feel better about the one hole out there. And Colos is swinging it, man. Yeah, Another guy that's. You think, it, you think it's him. even a backup plan? I think it's going to end up being the primary plan here. This yeah. is a team that I think has you know they they know the the pressure that they're feeling to win now and if Colos keeps swinging it in the spring that's a team that I I think would say fuck it before many others um and I think Colos's just ability to crush fastballs will let him you know be competitive from the from the get go and he hits lefties well so um Colos is a guy that I think really helps the outfield situation overall I I I think this outfield we talk about like variance and, and best outcome potential this outfield has a chance to be one of the better outfields. If Luis Robert is doing what you said he he could do, which I agree, I concur. And if if Eloy Jimenez is producing, I know you can kind of count that as an outfielder. I'm sure he'll jump out there from, from time to time. But Colos will be the big X factor here because I don't think you're going to expect much from Sheets. Good depth bat, good bench bat uh, that, that you can fit in there. But Colos is the big X factor. Favorite thing that baseball reference does for their spring training stats, they have something at the tail end called opponent quality Mm -hmm. and they grade it on a one to 10 scale. One being you're facing a position player on the mound, 10 being you're facing a major league arm. Oscar Colas in eight games so far this spring has an opponent quality of seven and a half, which sits right in between double and triple A. He's seven for 16 with a double and one strikeout in 16 plate appearances against double a slash triple a pitching. I saw our guy, Elijah Evans, who's out there covering spring training in Arizona. Doing a great job. Yeah. Doing a great job. Um, and, and writing some stuff up with spring training notes and doing interviews. So check, check out his stuff on just baseball.com. But I saw he put out a video of Coas with a nice two strike swing. like up the middle. And that was something that, you know, like he, he was a guy that it was big hack, big hack, Behind O2, I don't care. Big hack again. Let's, uh, let's I think, rip it. Yeah, which, you know what? If I'm in the minors, man, and I'm, I'm putting up numbers, I'll keep ripping it too. I'm not going to pretend like who gives a shit. Yeah. Uh, like he was raking. Who cares? Like it, it, take your hacks O2 too, like whatever. But this is a guy that I now realize I'm trying to make a big league club. Right. And to see him have a different approach is is refreshing. And, and I think that's a testament to his maturity and a testament to the fact that this is a guy that's serious about making the team. And yeah. I think the White Sox are are noticing that and I think he's going to force their hand to make this team. I think so too. Um, all right. Third honorable mention, 
And again, one of these things is not like the other in the other way is the L.A. Dodgers. David Peralta, Trace Thompson, Mookie Betts. This is the conversation around outfields. Uh, and and we just had a conversation pre-recording about where the Yankees should sit on this list because they have the best player in baseball and the best season, arguably, in baseball history from a year ago. And then they have Aaron Hicks in the outfield as well. <laughs> the Dodgers have two platoon guys and Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts alone makes them an honorable mention outfield. I, I think if... Jason Hayward does what we think he may do this year. I'm in. Immediately a top 10. You're in, like, fully bought in. Dude, that, I had the weird, like, not fully bought in. I'm just in on, like, give him some at-bats, this this swing adjustment, like, uh, treating him like a prospect. His swing before was so, like, I, I can't emphasize enough how, like, he got away with so many bad moves. If he was a prospect, I would, like, I'd be very out. But he got away with it because he was an athletic freak. But then it started to to not work as much, and and, and you know, they were able to game plan for him a bit more, and and he slowed down a little bit. Hayward's old swing was like if you put a gun to his head and said you have to hit this ball on the ground or I'm shooting you, like that's what his swing was. To first now base. it's to the first baseman. Yes, <laughs> now his swing is like he's trying to lift the ball. Like it's it's much more geared towards what we're seeing some of the best hitters in, in today's game do. He's staying in his back hit better. Like he used to have a lot of forward move. Freeman got got with him there, and usually I don't buy that kind of stuff. But just looking, if you put side by side the swings, it's not even close. It's night and day. I'm not saying this guy's going to be a star, but I think he could be a contributor and worth the roster spot, which they need right now. Um, it's funny. That's one of the weirdest tweet engagements I've ever had. Was I just said I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm in on this swing. Like this plays on Jason Hayward. Zero retweets, like a hundred likes, and just people <laughs> just like all right. I probably bookmarking it like. All right, man, he said it. Like I, I'm liking it and I'm coming back to this right, later. They're, they're ready to DM old takes exposed. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had a hundred likes and zero retweets. Like I've never had that before. So um I'm very it was a very interesting, like very, very interesting just social experiment there. Chris Taylor, like he struggled last year, man, but that's still an above average big leaguer, even if he replicates last year. I think he'll be better. I do. Um, that's but a great Taylor, outfield option as well. But Taylor's got to play the infield. I know, I know, but you, you figure he he still has to be considered in that outfield, right? Like he still has to be a guy that's that's relevant to that outfield. And then James yes. Outman, James Outman's got to be got to be considered out here too. I I really like Outman. Yeah, I mean the, he had those the are shit guys. out of the ball already the other day. Too. I know, I know. Like trust me, I'm keeping tabs because you and Taylor Davis made fun of me for taking him pretty high in our twenty. Yeah, it was a stupid draft. pick. Yeah, in our in our in our in our redraft, he's twenty six. <laughs> We're doing a a redraft. There's like twenty year olds on the board, and you're ripping the twenty six year old rookie. Yeah, with freak tools. <laughs> um, Jason Hayward, listen, he's not thirty eight. He's thirty three years old. That's what I'm saying. He's, he's not like washed. like Adonis. Like that build that he had in Chicago, six five two forty. He still looks like that. Yes. He's still technically like in an age where a lot of people are nearing the end of their prime. He's not mm -hmm. over the hill. He mm -hmm. had a problem. And if he fixes it, he's got five more major league seasons available for him pretty much. Dude, think about where Trace Thompson was before last year and what swing adjustments and, and, and things have done for him. And he's, guess what? They're the same age. Trace Thompson's 32. Jason Hayward's 33. <laughs> like, Think about it from that perspective for a second. Like he's not cooked. He can make adjustments. And, and that's why I'm kind of in on a bounce back. That said, this outfield is is 
very deficient from what we're used to for the LA Dodgers. All right, Jason Hayward. I'm I'm grabbing guys that are born right around his birthday, August 9, 1989. Anthony Rizzo is a day older than him. Um, let's see. Patrick Corbin is right around there. Jabari Blash is right there. He just came oh, up. Legend. Yeah, I mean, like, if you don't think Anthony Rizzo is over the hill, you better not think Jason Hayward is over the hill. But I understand why you would think so. Yes, because of the way his game declined so quickly. I really think it was the swing just not working. There we go. All right, number 10, the other L.A. team, the Angels. Taylor Ward, Mike Trout, Hunter Renfro. Ward had a good season last year. Hunter Renfro is a 30-homer threat. They've got Mike freaking Trout in center field. They're not not a top 10 team. I, I think that there is a bit more depth and, and a couple more dynamic players on the teams above them. But when you've got Mike Trout in the outfield and you've got guys that are serviceable flanking him, this is a top 10 outfield in the game. Yeah, I, I think this is another one you could bump up a little bit just because Renfro is is a guy that you know what you're getting. You're getting, all right, like you said, around 30 home runs. Um, Taylor Ward was an all-star last year. <laughs> like This guy's really good. And then we know what Mike Trout is. Don't don't really need to talk about Joe Adele. I think if you're counting on anything from Joe Adele, you're 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 setting yourself up for disappointment. I'm counting um, on an all star season from Adele. Oh, well, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. That's um, fine. That's what then, I do for. That's what I've done for 25 years now. Yeah, there you go. And then Brett Phillips, you know, great, great, great attitude. <laughs> um, so yeah, real uh, can do guy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think that that three is is a clear cut top ten outfield in baseball, though. That three. It, like again, I, I love referencing it because I think it's the best point that that could be made. That uh, you know, foolish, foolish baseball Bailey made on on the podcast. Surround Mike Trout and Shohei Otani with guys who don't suck, and and that they haven't really done that, and now they're they're doing that, and and that makes it a, a really good outfield. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I think so too. All right, number nine, and tell me if you think the Angels should be ahead of number nine, but it's the Phillies: Kyle Schwarber, Brandon Marsh, Nick Castellanos. Marsh was an outfield mate of Mike Trout in L.A. at the beginning of last year. If we did this last year, Marsh would have been uh, in the number 10 spot. But Marsh holds down center. He's surrounded by two guys that are defensive liabilities. But Schwarber is a 50 homer threat. Nick Castellanos can't be worse than what he was last year. And Marsh has proven ample value for the Philadelphia Phillies. I like them over the Angels, I think, because of the impact that Schwarber can make. Castellanos, if he does get back to Nick Castellanos light, even if he's 25 homers, if he's an 800 OPS, feel good about it. And then Brandon Marsh, I I'm high on Marsh. I, I agree with everything you're saying. I would probably go angels. Um, here's my thing. Taylor Ward or Nick Castellanos, actually even, even, even different. Hunter Renfro or Nick Castellanos. So I think we're going to disagree here, but I, I'm probably going Castellanos for 23. If you look at 22, obviously Renfro. If you look at 21, obviously Castellanos. Yeah, I, I, I'm worried. Like he might, he might just stink. Um, and then Schwarber is awesome, but Mike Trout can give you that with a glove in center field. Yeah, and then Taylor Ward or or Castellanos then. I'll take Ward. I I think you could make the 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 Angels case over this group. The, here's the big big issue here. 
when Bryce Harper comes back, is he DHing or is he playing the outfield? Because He's even even, <laughs> even a slightly below average or below average defensive Bryce Harper out there, like you put Castellanos at DH, and now it's Harper, Schwarber, and Marsh. That's that's fucking nasty. And and I think he's going to play a little outfield. I don't know how the arm situation is going to be. Um, I feel like he can play some outfield once he comes back. If I were a betting man, he'd DH. Uh, yeah, I won't pretend like I know. I have zero idea. I, it's probably the right bet to me. I, I think That's they can almost the rush sharp him play. back. It's probably the sharp play is the, the, the betting. Sharp, yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you're wrong, it was still the sharp play. Um <laughs> I I think I, I don't know. I, I feel like with how bad Cassianos can be out there, if if his arms if if Harper's arms good, like I feel like he got the Tommy John surgery to kind of come back and play defense. I just don't know when that will be. You know, right. and like if you go to the postseason, don't you want Harper out there? I don't know. That that's the tough one. Are we operating under the assumption that Harper plays zero outfield next year? I think I am. Or this year, I should say? Yeah. In that case, I'm taking the Angels. Okay. But All right. But for what that's worth. But for, but I don't think it's, like, far off. And, again, Schwarber's – if Cassianos bounces back, then it's a really fun one. And and the thing that's weird about Cassianos, bro, is it's not like Philadelphia is a, is, is a graveyard. And we talk about how he he really hits well and hit well in Cincinnati and the splits and blah, blah, blah. Philadelphia is a good place to swing. It's a good place to hit, man, especially for a guy that goes oppo like Cassiano says. So hopefully he bounces back. But, um, yeah, I do think that's a fun, interesting uh, debate between those two unpredictable outfields. Yeah, I mean, you ask what changed for Cassianos, and it, it was literally just impact of the baseball. Yeah, he struck out 3% more of the time, but his yeah. average exit below went down two and a half miles an hour. Yeah, that's weird. That's so weird. It was a negative one F4 guy last year. Dude. That's so weird from him. Never expected it. And All right. I will. He's cooked. He's Beauty of recording this podcast before the article goes live is I can go and change the rankings. So I, I think I will adjust these rankings accordingly because you have convinced me. I have yes. learned from my co-host, Aram. Let's go. We can All be right. supportive here. Yeah. I, I feel bad that I said that your James Outman pick was stupid. It wasn't stupid. It was bold. You don't feel bad. You don't feel bad. It was bad. bold. I, right. bo- stupid was a mean word. No, you say enough mean shit to me that I don't feel it anymore. Oh. I only feel it occasionally. <laughs> All right. Okay. Number eight. Outing me as, a, as an abusive co-host and friend. <laughs> number eight is St. Louis. Uh, they're, started, they're, they're projected starting outfield. Lars Nupar in left. Tyler O'Neill in center. Dylan Carlson in right. The conversation is between eight and seven, and we can knock two birds out with one stone. Number seven is the Yankees. Aaron Hicks, Harrison Bader, Aaron Judge. We had a conversation about this pre-record. And do you take three good guys, or do you take a bad guy, an average guy, and the best hitter in baseball? You know what this reminds me of as as you just framed it like that is like those graphics where it's like you have twelve dollars and then yeah, it's like exactly it's like, like do you spend five dollars on somebody or do you take like the four dollar guy at each spot and and I'll leave this one this is one honestly like what those of you watching on YouTube like comment below like if you're a Cardinals or a Yankees fan 
like shut it respectfully. But if you're a fan of like the 28 other teams, I want to hear from you um, because I, I just, I'm sorry. I had so many Cardinals and, and uh, so many fans when I did the top five farm systems for Bleach Report, how could you omit this farm system? I'm like, oh, geez. Okay. You're like, an idiot. You're an idiot for not liking my favorite team's farm system. I got a lot of Dodgers people saying that their their system was better than the Orioles, which I was like, no, false. How how do you justify Orioles over Dodgers was a message I got. And I I literally just sent a screenshot of of their top 10. Um, But anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, I want to see in the YouTube comments uh, which outfield you would prefer because it is like that, that budget situation where you have four dollars for judge harper whoever and then like one dollar at the bottom is like Oswaldo cabrera and all these other guys and then two dollars would be like dylan carlson three dollars would be tyler o'neill let's say this is where it's hard because you, you're pretty much locked in for for an mvp candidate now i think with aaron judge every single year i think that's very fair to say yeah. um and and i think he's going to be again one of the best players in baseball i don't think that's very hard-hitting analysis here Harrison Bader was a very important addition to the Yankees outfield because he just gives them, assuming he's healthy, just a good, safe defender that can at least put, give you a league average or slightly better offense. And move field. Judge out of center. And judge move Judge a out good of center. center fielder, but you don't need him in center. You don't need him out there. So he'll be an elite right fielder. That is really solid. The question is, is Aaron Hicks going to play left? If Oswaldo Cabrera is playing left... Because like I don't want to just be like, oh, Hicks is going to be a disaster for them. That's not fair because if he is a disaster, then they'll put Cabrera out there. Right. Um, so operating under that assumption, do you take those three or do you take O'Neill, Carlson, and, and Newt Bar? I think what it boils down to is what do you think we're going to get from O'Neill and Carlson? We, we're expecting Newt Bar to be good. Everyone on earth is expecting Newt Bar to be He's good. The most overrated, underplay, underrated, underrated player. Underrated player, player yes. But like I think we're all banking on three and a half F war at least. And I think he's going to be a really good player. Is Carlson going to, going to be Dylan Carlson, but even if he's not, he's still, he's still, I think matches Bader at the very least. Right. Like I think, do you think that's fair to say he matches Bader at the very least? I think he'll be better. There's a reason why the Cardinals traded one of them. It's not just control. Carlson has way more upside, I think. Yes. Um, and then it's just, what do you get from Tyler O'Neill, who was a five and a half one player, but also has struggled to stay healthy and is kind of a one hit wonder at this point. Yeah, you chose the Cardinals. I did. Um, now, if we're looking at an accumulation thing, right? Like if we're looking at war accumulation, Judge on his own beats two Cardinals. So yes. are, are you going to get to anyone? He beats two all stars. Right. Exactly. Like, are, are you going to get Bader and Hicks slash Cabrera beating out Tyler O'Neill? I would say yes, because two is usually greater than one, especially when you're talking about guys that are fine pieces. Um, you mentioned 5.6 F4 in 2021 for O'Neill. He had a 144 WRC plus. He had a 101 WRC plus this past year, but he was a bad defender. So he was a 1.3 win. He guy. was hurt too. Yeah. But like 1.3 F4 in 96 games. <laughs> He's somewhere in between that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it, and it's such a, a shitty cop-out thing to say. Yeah. But you got to ask yourself, is he a three-win guy or is he a four-win guy? And I personally want him to be a four-win guy, but I think he's closer to a three-win guy. He's he's three and a half, yeah, something like that. And and I don't think he needs to be playing every single day because you want to keep him healthy. Um Carlson now 
we were expecting him to build off of what was a really solid, you know, first full season, 2.6 F4, 113 WRC plus, good defense, 18 homers. He follows that up, 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 reportedly banged up last year. So give him the benefit of the doubt there. Cuts the K rate down by 5%, which is a great sign. But offense takes a hit. He was a league average, 100 WRC plus, 2.4 F4 off the back of great defense. So if this guy's a little bit better offensively, He's a three, three and a half win player. Again, I think if you're, who are you taking going into next year? And I know like put, put the, uh, our, our war on Peter Apple aside for a second on the Harrison Bader stuff. Cause no, I'm taking is, Carlson over Bader. I, I was are. about to ask you, do you think they made the right decision moving Bader? Well, I think the control made it a no brainer, yeah. honestly. And, and I, I love the Bader pickup for the Yankees. And um, I, I think it's really funny how it's become like, because we, but you and I don't mind Bader. I think you and I both think he's a good player. Yeah. Um, Peter, Peter really likes him going into this year. Uh, and I understand that he showed a lot of good things and he's looked good this spring, uh, but it's become kind of one of those uh, subtle, just baseball show debates that have come up. And, and I think it's funny, yeah. but honestly, I, I really do think if I had to take one, I'm probably going to take Carlson um, just because I think he, I think he's a little safer, but that said, like he, he was not as good last year overall. So I I wouldn't be shocked if Bader's better. I think they, they literally could be a wash and I think it's safe to call them a wash. And if you do that, then it's, it's judge versus. So how, how you, if you call Bader and Carlson a wash, it becomes down to judge versus O'Neill and Newt bar. It's Judge and Hicks slash Cabrera against O'Neill and Newport. That's it, it's it's an oversimplification, but it's really tough. Yeah, it, it is really tough. Um, I take Carlson over over Bader because Carlson like had a bad year. I think everybody would say bad year, right? Power went away, but he was still a 100 WRC plus guy. Bader was an 86 WRC plus guy, and yeah, he was banged up, but that shows you like a bad year of Bader is 86 a bad year of Carlson is a hundred is a hundred. And, and apparently Carlson was banged up too. Yeah, exactly. So uh, no, it's an oversimplification, but I think you have to take the guy that had 11 and a half war last year. And you got to also consider with the Cardinals, Brennan Donovan can go out there. Uh, we're talking about depth. I think that's what puts the Cardinals over the top because God forbid somebody gets hurt. It, you know, God forbid judge misses time. Like that Yankees outfield is doomed. fucked. Um, if, if O'Neal or Newbar, whoever goes down, like Yepes can go out there. Um, they've got maybe Walker's opportunity. Walker could go out there. Burleson can go out there like they And these aren't just like plug and pray. All of those guys are, are potential, you know, fringe all-stars, at least not Burleson. I think Burleson's above average bat, but I mean, Yepes could swing it well enough to be an all-star one year or two. Like uh, we know what Jordan Walker can be. Brendan Donovan is just a really good utility guy. So yeah, I, I, I side with you with the depth. I think it puts him over the top. I'll go Cardinals. Wow. So you do go Cardinals. The depth, just kind of thinking about it from that perspective, because, you know, I, I think the Yankees are already using their depth and left, assuming that Hicks is going to stink. Cause I think he's gonna, yeah. um, they, they've just got way more options. I mean, I, I would I would argue that Burleson, I would want to start Burleson day one if I were the Yankees. It, 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 let's say the Yankees acquired Burleson, I'd say Ben checks and start Burleson. Correct. And that's a guy that's that's legitimately stashed on the bench right now for the. How Cardinals. about Yepes too? Right, like Yepes, yep. I'd say start him and left right away. Yeah. Um, so these are all guys that I would start in the Yankees outfield that are on the bench. Brandon Donovan, 
I would say start him right, right away. I think he's better than, obviously better than Oswaldo Cabrera. He's a better version of him. Um, so all of these guys, I would say, I would start in left field for the Yankees and they're not starting in the outfield for the Cardinals because there's a better option. So that kind of tells you, I think, how they line up. So do you do you consider Donovan a breakout candidate or would you consider last year his breakout? Last year was his breakout. I think that's okay. what he is. I think he solidifies himself as more valuable than Carlson, O'Neill, and Newt Bar this year. That that's my hot take. I think that, that's a hot take. Yeah, I I know we posed it. It was just like stream of consciousness questions earlier. I think it was in December when mm-hmm. when I posed a bunch of questions and I said rank these guys by value, and it was yeah, yeah. Gorman, Donovan, Carlson, O'Neill, and Newt Bar. Um, I think I had Donovan two or three. My take now is I think Donovan's a clear cut one over all these guys. Wow. I, I got no issue with that. I think that's, that's hot. It's hot though. That's hot. It's hot. It's hot. It's Sometimes hot. you need to come out with a hot take. And I just came yeah. out with a hot take. That was hot. <laughs> Thanks man. All right. Number six, the Mets, Mark Canna, Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte projected as the opening day outfield guys waiting in the wings. Beatty may hop out into a corner, right? I, there are some serious options for the Mets here. And, and I think what puts them over the Yankee Cardinal grouping is Nimmo is a five and a half win player. And when he's on the field for a full season, he is five to five and a half wins. Mark Canna is a very underrated piece to that Mets team. He's always going to get on base. He's always going to provide decent defense. He's always going to put up, you know, a a WRC plus probably over a hundred. And then Starling Marte is Starling Marte. My only thing is I'm worried about Marte. I really am. Um, He double groin surgery. Like that, that's nuts. That I don't nuts. even know what that. I've never heard of that. Like, and then a guy that's been built on speed, oblique and double groin. That said, like he's Starling Marte. He's he's a he's Adonis too. Like I'm gonna bank on him being he's still pretty good, even if 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 the you know the speed isn't there. And we can't again, we can't project injuries, so we don't go there. But yeah, I mean, back to back three win seasons from Mark Hanna. You know, I mean, that, that's that's what you can pretty much lock in from him. Uh, a 128 WRC plus last season was just great. Uh, what we saw from Brandon Nimmo, spectacular. There's definitely a lot of risk here of of regression because of Marte, you know, and his injury stuff this offseason and last year. Canna turning 34 and Nimmo just coming off a career year. But just based on what we got last year and, and what we have to assume that they, you know, they can do going into next year, this has to be. Uh, an outfield that's ahead of the ones we just talked about since 2018 wrc plus from mark canna by year 115 146 in 126 games in 2019 129 in 2020 he played 59 games played 141 games in 21 he had a 117 and you mentioned the 128 and 140 games this past year he's got a career wrc plus at 118 and that's some bad years to open his career he was a real five pick this guy's a sneaky, awesome hitter. One of the most underrated players in baseball. Rule five draft pick out of the out of the Florida Marlins. Yeah, nice pick because of the sideburns. You think he's underrated? Like he's he's almost frowned upon because he still has sideburns. I think that did cost him a little bit on the contract. Right, two years, twenty six and a half would have been two years forty. I think if he didn't have the sideburns, yeah, right. like, dude, you got to figure those things out, man. <laughs> All right, number five, Seattle. Five players too much, I think. If we're going to be honest, yeah, these guys are human beings, man. Yeah, they're not just pieces of hair. <laughs> uh, Seattle starting projected outfield: Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez, Teoscar Hernandez. 
I love hey, the Oscar order. makes him a top five outfield. I love the order that you just went in there. Yes. <laughs> uh, miserable. <laughs> Maybe a quadruple A guy. We'll see. Yeah. Perennial MVP candidate for the next 15 years. Tay Oscar Hernandez. Yeah, I agree. Tay Oscar was everything they needed, right? Everything they needed. Um, I'm excited to see what Tay Oscar does in this lineup. We just talked about him, but uh, Kalnick is the X factor. Here we are again. We said it last year. We'll say it again this year. Kalnick's the, the X factor. He looks good in spring training for whatever that's worth. What I will say is he is going the other way. He is putting better swings on left on left, which is encouraging. And this guy's 23. So while we feel like we've been hearing about him forever, he's 23. AJ Pollock to hedge that is huge, 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 huge. So AJ Pollock being in the mix here as well, he can still play a good outfield, right? I mean, this is a guy that can still play a good left field if you need him to. Um, I feel good about having him in the equation to take a lot of that pressure off of Kelnick. If he doesn't pan out, this is still a good outfield. And then you got, you know, utility guy like Dylan Moore, you know, Sam Haggerty involved in there too. Uh, It's a good outfield. It's led by, like you said, perennial MVP candidate. If, if, if Julio can continue to make that leap and Teoscar hits the shit out of the ball. Um, it, it's it's a, a good, good outfield that could be great if Kalnick makes the leap. If he, if he doesn't, A.J. Pollock is still a good enough third option in that outfield. First game out of the All-Star break, who is the starting left fielder? God, ain't that the question. Um, is it lefty pitching? <laughs> yeah, lefty I think, think Kalnick swings it well enough to be a platoon guy. Against think, righties. So I, I, I'm going to say it's a righty and I think, I think he plays, I okay, think he hits the ball too hard. He's too talented, man. Um, I, I, I think Kelnick's going to be, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be, you know, the guy, the perennial all-star that we thought, but I think he could be a, a productive power bat in the corner. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say Kelnick. I'm going to say Kelnick's first, first game out of the all-star break. He's the outfielder. So they also have Cooper Hummel. Yes. Kind of waiting as like the second or third catcher. Hummel can play some outfield. Um, there Very. are a lot of options to platoon with Kelnick, right? You can go with Dylan Moore, you can go with Haggerty, or you can go with Cooper Hummel. And, and Pollock. And Pollock. Yeah. Right. I think Pollock's the lefty masher that would be that would be that option. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh all right. Four. Dalton Varsho, Kevin Kiermeyer, and George Springer is the projected starting outfield in Toronto. Nasty. Nasty. is not going to give you much offensively, but he's going to give you a gold glove caliber center field production. George Springer in a corner is an all-star. And Dalton Varsho is, we know Dalton Varsho, man. He was putting up gold glove numbers in center, and he's a catcher. Yep. And, and I think... He will be even. He could be one of the best defenders in baseball in left field, like legitimately that good. So if if you have that outfield right there, defensively alone, that could be the best defensive outfield in baseball. It could be very well up there. And oh, uh, by the way, Springer can hit to a 900 OPS, and Varsho is a 750 to 800 OPS guy at least. And and oh, by the way, all of them can steal bags. You know, they're, they're even even a slowed down Kier Meyer is still going to steal ten to fifteen bags. There, there's just 
a lot more there. I think Kevin Biggio has been getting some work in the outfield too, which is just another nice power left-handed option there. Uh, and then Whit Merrifield can, can slide out there if you need him to. Yeah. Um, this is an outfield that's deep, that's really good defensively and really good offensively. And they were, they were able to give up offense for defense with Kiermaier because he's going to be your nine hitter. If he's playing center field the way we think he can, he's not even 33 yet. So I think it was really injuries. I don't think he's slowing down that much. Um, this is a really, really good outfield that could be one of the best in baseball if Springer is playing to his ability. And if Varsho, like Varsho could be better. You said he's 750, 780 guy. I agree. Like that's the baseline. Why can't this 26-year-old take another leap offensively? You know, maybe he does. So Varsho last year in 151 games had a 745 OPS, but the counting numbers were were good for him. 27 homers, 74 driven in. He was 16 for 22 in the stolen base department. If he gives you identically that and gold glove caliber left field defense, you're you're thrilled with that trade. Yes, that's what they traded for. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, number three, the Atlanta Braves. Eddie Rosario, Michael Harris, Ronald Acuna Jr. You like that order too? Yeah, yeah, I love that order. I'm going uh, left field or right field. I'm going left center right. Eddie Rosario, uh, obviously, as as flashes in the pan of being like, oh my gosh, this is the NLCS MVP, Eddie yeah. Rosario. But for the most part, he's Eddie Rosario. Like, is there a better option out there? Michael Harris is what I think we had him at three in the center field rankings. Trout one, Julio two, Harris three, and then Acuna. If Acuna's healthy again, he's a he's a top MVP, two talent in baseball. Yeah, MVP candidate, 40-40 threat. Like, if anybody's going to go 50-50, it's Tatis or Acuna. Um, so this outfield, if everything's perfect, could be the best outfield in the game. Um, even if Acuna is not a hundred percent, right. Even if Harris hits 290 instead of 300. And even if Rosario stinks, it's probably still top five. Can Travis Darno play left? <laughs> I hope so. William Contreras played a little hey, Billy bombs year. out there. Like, I, th- that is, I don't know why these teams hate left field. <laughs> We're looking at like yeah. a lot of these teams are just hate, ignoring left field. Look, if Rosario, and, and I know he was dealing with like eye issues and other injuries and just like a lot of different things last year. If Rosario can be a league average hitter, man, this outfield will be a problem. And I think it's easy to forget like Rosario in 2018 was a four win guy. In 2019, his defense stunk, but he hit 32 pumps and drove in 109. We saw the magic that he he was able to produce in that, that World Series run. Like if he can just be a league average bat with what you're going to get from Michael Harris defensively and offensively, and then Ronald Acuna, like you mentioned, that, that outfield is a problem. But man, I, I just, just I would love a better option in left field. I really would. So I'm scanning for options on the roster. Orlando Arcia played six games in left. It's probably not a big upgrade. Sam Hilliard can play left. It depends how you view upgrade because Hilliard has a bit more power and a bit more speed. The problem is he can't make contact with the ball sometimes. Jordan Luplo is probably not an upgrade. He is against lefties. And that's the thing is like, okay, Platoon. if you – if you get a 105 WRC plus from Rosario just against righties, which I think is a very fair bar, and then you get a 115 WRC plus from Luplo against lefties, which is pretty much what he has been at the minimum for his entire career, then you're, you've combined an above average platoon in left field. 
And, and that's I bet what they're I looking at that as the comment. That's all they need. That's all they need. Because we just talked about center. Like that's that's all they need. So I, I that's why I like the loop will pick up for them. Uh and hopefully, hopefully that's what, what they'll they'll be able to get out of left field. Arguably the best Gwinnett striper of all time this year, I'm calling it Kevin Pilar, serving as the understudy to Michael Harris. So if Harris is dealing with like banged up soreness or anything, just Pilar comes up, plays him center, and then goes right back down. I love it. By the way, um, Pilar is just always going to hang around, I think, forever. Yeah, man. I mean, if you can catch balls, you can do it. Luplo, 125 WRC plus in his career against lefty, 76 WRC plus in his career against righties. Got you. Here we go. Platoon. Number two, the Houston Astros. We're saying Houston here because your Don is projected in the opening day outfield. They bring Michael Brantley back. They probably feel better about your Don in the outfield than they do Brantley. So it's your Don Alvarez in left, Chaz McCormick in center, Kyle Tucker in right. Chaz has proven to be an above average center fielder for the Houston Astros. He's a 115 WRC plus guy, sneaky. Yeah. And then your Don's your Don and Kyle Tucker is a $200 million outfielder. I think Chaz McCormick's one of the most underrated players in baseball right now. Um, yeah. And and I don't mean that in a way of like, he's a star. Like, no, but just like, he is really good. He's not an he's afterthought. A really solid, he's a really solid player. He's he's played two big league seasons. And he has, in his two big league seasons thus far, a 111 WRC plus, back-to-back seasons of two, two win production. And even more important, He's gotten better offensively. Like we, we saw him last year. Yeah, the slug went down a little bit, but he still matched his home run total. He matched his run total. He he basically matched every counting stat, upped his walk rate, lowered his K rate. Again, I think this guy can take another step this year. He's a great defender. It's all that the Astros need in center field. And yeah, Jordan in a corner, but even if it was Brantley in a corner, like that's still a really good outfield. Probably not number two, but right. still a really good outfield. Um and then Jake Myers is like your fourth outfield option. He was really good before, you know, getting hurt in the postseason, just hasn't been able to totally get back. And then, it's, you know, kind of fighting for, for opportunities now because of McCormick's, you know, what he's done. Right. Uh, but I think if Jordan is, is even playing and in left field, by the way, in, in Houston is got to be one of the easiest left fields to play. They're going to tell him, don't, him, know, don't even those Crawford boxes, it can take a weird bounce off those things. Oh, yeah. But he doesn't have to move. Put his back against put your back against the Crawford boxes and just come in. That's all he has to do. And if it's to the to his left of the Crawford boxes, they'll say that's Chaz's territory. Don't cross that line. It's hot lava for Jordan. And I think that's basically what it's gonna be. So, like, that's a really good outfield production-wise. And I still, I'm still waiting on the the Kyle Tucker MVP season. I still believe it can come, and yeah. if it comes, that might be the best outfield in baseball. So, how do you feel? I know Hensley is an infielder for the most part, but he's like played left sporadically. He did get a start in left field last year. Um, could Hensley like play the outfield if need be? I think he can a little bit. I know yeah. he did it in triple. Um, and he's just like one of those guys that's not going to be great anywhere, but he's like kind of good enough everywhere. Sneaky athlete. He can swing it too. Like his numbers in the minors, then his numbers in the big leagues and in that short stint. Really good. He can play out there. I think he can get by. Yeah. 100%. Um, the, there aren't very many backup options. Um, listen, if Jose Siri was the starting center fielder, oh know, man, MVP over the, over, the top, over the top of Alvarez, Siri, and Kyle Tucker. Uh, all right, but the best outfield in baseball going into the 2023 season is San Diego. The The Padres 
I'm counting Tatis right now because he's only going to miss three weeks. Um, opening day, it's probably going to be Matt Carpenter out there in left, and you got Soto in right and, and Grisham in center. Who knows what Carpenter is going to be this year? Obviously, he was Babe Ruth for the Yankees last year. But once Tatis comes back, it's Soto, Grisham, and Tatis in the outfield. Two top five, top ten players in the game and a gold glover in center field. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, even if Grisham can't hit, he's going to defend and, and he's going to run into a few. The thing that makes me feel a little bit better about Grisham too is I actually believe in Jose Azokar. Like, I think Azokar is not bad. Yeah. I think he's a really decent fourth outfielder. And if, if Grisham's really, really stinking it up, you could plug Azokar out there and I think he'd be fine. Like, uh, he was he was good in Triple A. Uh, he's been good in the minors, and and his numbers last year were not terrible. He was a solid defender, and I think he can keep getting better. That was his first taste of the big leagues last year in sporadic playing time, and he held his own. So I I like Azokar as a backup option. I think there's a reason why they've kind of held on to him, and I think that they like him as an option there. But the offensive potential of a Tatis, you know, especially combined out there with what they're going to get from Soto, that could be the best outfield duo production wise in, in major league baseball. Right. I mean, like, is there going to be anything like that? We've got two guys that like, if they achieve 90 90th percentile outcome for them is what? Seven wins each. Yeah. You've got two seven win players. And, and I think 90th percentile outcome they're combining for close to 80 home runs. 80 homers they're combining for 200 RBIs. Tatis may and, steal 40 bags in his own right. And what is Matt Carpenter going to give them? Like I I don't know how much he's going to be playing the outfield, but like if he is filling in in spots and playing like this guy really raked last year. I'm really interested to see what they get from him. Matt Carpenter is a guy that was one of the best hitters in the game for a span of several years when he was in St. Louis, another guy that like, yeah, he's older, but wasn't like 40 and, and made a swing adjustment and found something last year. Uh, I'm really interested to see what they get from him. I know it's not Yankee stadium that he's hitting in, but I think this is a guy that can contribute for them too. I, I just like all of the, the other options that they have there too, to kind of mix and match. But the, the big question is, is what are you getting from Trent Grisham? Uh, and, can I and say I, think, I buy the Grisham bounce back? Like I, I buy. What is it? What does a Grisham bounce back look like? So he's a career seven eleven OPS guy after a six twenty six OPS last year. He had seventeen homers, which was a career high, but that's because he played one hundred and fifty two games, and his next high was twenty games fewer than that in twenty twenty one. Eight oh eight OPS in twenty twenty, seven forty OPS in twenty twenty one, six twenty six in twenty twenty two. If he's 740, this is far and away the best outfield in the game. And I'm I'm sold on Grisham being my everyday center fielder. If he is 711, if he's career average, I still feel okay considering oh, that I'm he's great. got two gold gloves under his belt. Dude, if he's 711, that he that that's great. Because he what was he, 626 last year, you said? 626. Still matched his F4 total from last year. He's for, so for good defensively. And then in the in the shortened 2020 season, he was on pace for for a six win season almost. So like I, I mean I don't think he's going to do that. Obviously I don't think he's going to hit the way he hit in that hot streak there. But if he gives you a hot streak, and then finishes the year, you know, right around a seven eleven seven thirty. If he gets up to seven thirty, he's a three win player. Maybe above that. Maybe close to three and a half. 
So if that's what you're getting as the compliment to what could be the best power hitting corner outfield duo in baseball, you're in business. That's the best outfield in baseball. That's simple. And if, if anybody is going to challenge Michael Harris for the gold glove, that isn't jazz Chisholm, it's going to be Trent Grisham. <laughs> yeah. You said challenge in terms of in their own right, in their mind, or like actually challenge them. <laughs> You well, know, Jazz I've, told us that he was going to go win a gold glove. So if Jazz doesn't win it, the only guy that holds a candle to Trent or the only guy that holds a candle to Michael Harris is Trent Grisham. Um, 13 outs above average last year. Yeah, man. I mean, crazy. And that's that was while sucking at the plate. So I love that he can flush that and, you know, not trickle out into the field. It was the best defensive outfield season of his career. So if he can just get even slightly back closer to his league average or to his career average, excuse me. Even if he's a 675 OPS guy, he's yeah. probably closer to a three win season, three wins from your center fielder. When you could get seven each from your two corner guys, you're in business. Yeah. All right. After some debriefing our three honorable mentions, Arizona, the white Sox, and the Dodgers, uh, Philly is 12 or is a 10. The angels are nine. The Yankees are eight Cardinals, seven Mets, six Mariners, five, Blue Jays four, Braves three, Astros two, and the Padres are the best team outfield in baseball. You got anything else? Because I want to wrap with something. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't. I don't think I got anything else. Uh, what you got? So Dave Wills was the radio voice of the yeah. Rays for the last decade and a half, and he unexpectedly passed at 58 years old. And Something that I have done over the last however many years, five, six, seven years, is listen to pretty much every broadcaster in baseball. Listen to every TV uh, broadcaster, listen to every radio broadcaster in baseball. And there was no broadcast that I enjoyed listening to more than Tampa Bay Rays radio broadcasts. And I listened to way more Tampa radio than you would ever expect. Um, and Dave Wills was previously a, a White Sox pre and post game host. I wasn't, you know, an active White Sox fan when that happened. He's been in Tampa for the last, I want to say, 18 years with Andy Freed. Though that duo is and was incredible. Um, and my heart goes out to Andy Freed. And Dave Wills was, no offense to Andy, but my favorite listen of <laughs> baseball radio broadcasters because he was funny as fuck. He was so funny. He was like, I mean, if anybody was going to talk about cold ones while broadcasting an MLB game, it was Dave Wills. So, uh, so, so thankful that in the years that I have learned to love baseball on the radio and call baseball on the radio, I could turn on Tampa Bay Rays broadcasts and listen to Dave Wills. And that's that. Yeah, no, I, I it's wild. I actually just saw that before we recorded and I was going to ask you because I, I didn't know if he was still active. I'm not I'm not that briefed on all of the radio broadcasters, but I saw a lot of outpouring and um, man, I, I thought you encapsulated that beautifully. And I'm, I'm going to go back and listen to some stuff because um, when whenever you say somebody can can broadcast, they can really freaking broadcast. So um, it's, it's just it just sucks. Like 58 is so young, but yeah got to live out the dream and, and got to be where we all you know kind of hope to be. So, and he was so good at living. And loved it. Dream. Sounds like loved it. He loved it. And like, he was so technically good at play by play when you can be so technically good and be funnier than hell. That's the goods, man. That's the recipe, and, baby. And that's what, that, that's what the you're goods. trying to do. That's what you're trying to do right now. Right? Like you're getting there. I, I hope so. I hope to be, 10% of the broadcaster that Dave Wills was because that guy was awesome. 
So that's it for us. Every link you need in the show notes. Peter and I will give you a World Baseball Classic preview tomorrow. Thanks, guys. 